The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. And now, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living. You know, I'm very excited about today's guest. In fact, today we're going to have our guest on for a whole hour. I usually do two interviews per hour, but I think that his work is so important and he has so much to say that's so profound and meaningful and, and inspirational that I'm, I'm very, very honored to have Neil Donald Walsh on the program. He has had eight books on the New York Times bestsellers list in the last 15 years. His books center around conversations with God. And these books have changed the world for many people. His newest book is God's Message to the World, You've Got Me All Wrong. And if, if, you, if we've got God all wrong, we've got everything else all wrong too. So that's what we're going to talk about again with Neil Donald Walsh. And welcome, Neil. Thank you, Patricia. It's very lovely to be here, and I yes. very much appreciate your invitation to do so. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, I, I want to say, I told you this off air, but I, I'd like to say this to our listeners, that uh, there, are, there are a wonderful series that I would suggest if you're single or if you want a better relationship with the person you're in. It's called Evolving Wisdom. And Ariel Ford and Claire Zamet run this wonderful series. And Neil Donald Walsh has been interviewed about relationships with his wonderful wife and just in general about relationships on the planet. And it was such, so inspirational and so heartwarming. And I think that we really, you know, when, when you talk about this title, which is God's message to the world, you've got me all wrong, I think our message about relationship is so different, Neil, from the way that you speak about it in terms of really honoring relationships like they're really a part of God. I mean, that's what I heard when I heard you on that tape. Now, I know this is a different book, but I think it's a similar message. Talk about that. Well, I I think that everything is a part of God, and there's nothing that is not God. And relationship is uh, divinity played out. That is, it is divinity expressed. When, when we are alone, uh, and not just physically, but spiritually, mentally, uh, um, psychologically, emotionally alone, <clears throat> we, we have nothing against which to measure uh, who we are or how we are expressing our mm-hmm. true and real identity. So relationship, our relationship, honestly, with everything, our relationship with the planet, our relationship more broadly with life itself, our relationship with everything on the planet, uh, you know, trees and plants and flowers, to say nothing of animals, dogs and cats, and of course, obviously other people, 
our relationship with everything is what provides us a context within which we can experience divinity both being received and being expressed. That is, we express our divinity in relationship to something or someone else, and we receive the experience of divinity being expressed toward us in precisely the same way. Most people, from my experience and from my observation, and from my own life, I might add, uh, have not understood things in quite that kind of a way. They, uh, for, for most people, and for myself until very recently, relatively recently in my life, relationship feels like an interactive process in life, if you please, that allows us to receive what we imagine ourselves to need, that allows us to have our, our highest wishes for being loved and for loving another fulfilled, uh, and but that's just about and and of, and of course to uh, avoid being alone. Nobody nobody likes to be alone, uh, or very few people do in the long term. Right. So uh, what we have not I I didn't understand the real purpose of relationship, gee until I was uh, over fifty years old, mm-hmm. which was rather well, late in the game for me when I finally understood that the perfect of relationship was to give me something to relate to and not to receive anything. Yeah. but to give everything. So, so Neil, let me ask you something, and, I, and I, I'm sure this relates to your book. When you look at what's going on in the world, you know, what just happened with Ferguson, with what's going on with police, with, you know, the Israeli and Mideast conflict, and when you, when you hear so much about negativity and strife and racism and, and, and hatred, I hate to use that word, and we hear it a lot, how does that, tie into this because and how do you even begin to uh, break almost break that stronghold that's my question did you catch the irony of what you said that you hate to use the word hatred yeah I do I had I had to smile when you said that you said and hatred and I hate to use that word <laughs> I thought I do <laughs> I do because it's so strong yeah, but, but you hate to use the word hatred, and you use the word hate in order to tell us how much you hate to use the word hatred. There's, so what there's does that the irony. say? <laughs> the, the, <laughs> I, I didn't miss the irony there. Uh, yeah. The, the um, fact of the matter is that we live in a contextual field within which um, everything has its opposite number. And mm. um, so our job is not to condemn the opposite of what it is that we wish to experience, to express, and to be, but in fact to bless it, because in the absence of it, we would not have the opportunity to be and to express who we understand ourselves to be. In the absence Mm. of up, there is no down. In the absence of big, there is no small. In the absence of black, there is no white. In the absence of what we call evil, there is not that which we call good. So our job is not to encourage evil, for sure, but also neither to condemn it, but simply to gently and lovingly move it out of the space of our Mm -hmm. direct experience so that we might know and express who we really are without condemning in any way the part of us that we are not. That's why, by the way, that's why every great spiritual master throughout the history of this particular species known as humans has said, each in their own way, bless, bless, bless those yeah. who persecute you. So, so here's my question, though. How, 
How do you say that to someone like, and I forgot his name, the young boy's mother, you know, the, the, the young black boy who was killed? How do you say that to her? I mean, when I watched her on television, you know, she was so hurt and very angry. And how do you, how do you work with people who have been a direct, at the direct effect of this, you know, this behavior and, and this opposite of what we're talking about? How do you help people? And I'm sure you have. I'm sure you've worked with people who've been through some very difficult times and have anger built up with them. How do you help them, Neil? Well, the first thing you have to understand when you're in the healing or helping professions is that we don't try to uh, engage people who, in the moment of their deepest hurt, with philosophical observations or theoretical Mm -hmm. commentaries. Okay. Or spiritual, uh, larger spiritual awareness. Uh, there's a time and a place for everything. And in the moment that the hurt is being expressed and experienced at such a deep level, that's not a time that I would sit down with somebody and try to explain to them metaphysically what's happening. I right. would hear the hurt. I would mm-hmm. be with. I would make sure that I was with that person so they did not feel alone and misunderstood or not understood or isolated in some way. Hmm. I would embrace that person's pain and share that person's pain without trying to explain to that person theoretically, emotionally, or spiritually what the pain was really all about or the process they were going through. I would wait until the initial pain was at least healed somewhat. And then I would perhaps offer a larger point of view that would allow that person to be able hmm. to embrace, embrace the experience in a somewhat different way. Yes, you're correct. I have been involved with many, many people who have moved through tremendously traumatic experiences in their life. But I've learned, I, I should tell you that I spent some uh, time on this personal staff of a woman named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Oh, yes. Doctor, oh, yes. Dr. Kubler-Ross wrote a number of books, not the most famous of which was... On Death and Dying. On, on Death and Dying, indeed. Yeah. And... And she was, of course, a psychiatrist and a medical doctor. And I had the intense, immense uh, honor in my life to serve on her personal staff. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I learned from yeah. Dr. Ross, Elizabeth used to always say, do not try to heal someone of their pain while they're experiencing it at that high of a level. Let the, the, the best mm-hmm. way to, to heal the pain is to let them express it. That is, push it out, to let them get it out. If you try to, you know, try to go there, there, mm. there, you know, and try to help them understand, Are you there? then then you're engaging them at a mental level when they need to be engaged at an emotional level. And the way that you engage a person at an emotional level of their pain is to share the pain with them, make sure they feel not isolated, but totally embraced, totally companioned, and totally understood. So amazing. So you're saying let people express and get the pain and the hurt out. Yes, and of course, it is possible for wonderful teachers like Dr. Ross and others to show people how they can express their hurt, how they can express their anger in ways that do not inflict more hurt or anger on another. So the uh, job of the healer is to provide an avenue for the expression of the pain and the hurt and the anger, that does not continue the pain and hurt and anger in the lives of others. And, uh, and that's what all, and I'm so proud of, of for instance, uh, the parents 
uh, of the young man in, in, in Ferguson because they came out immediately and said, please, let's don't move this forward. Don't pass this, this, uh, this hurt on and mm-hmm. hurt others. Mm-hmm. And the same is being said now uh, by the family of Eric Garner in New York, the man who was mm-hmm. chokeholded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, his, his family members are seeing exactly the same thing. So it turns out that they don't really need much guidance. They pretty much understand without mm-hmm. anyone having to tell them uh, what the highest and best course of action is. Yet they still may express their hurt, their deep hurt, uh, mm-hmm. and their anger at what has occurred. So we mm-hmm. need to use anger is one of the five natural emotions, by the way. Uh, Dr. Ross is the one who taught me that. She said there are five natural emotions of which one is anger. And anger that is repressed or suppressed turns into a very unnatural uh, emotion of rage. Uh But if if anger can be fully expressed, then it is simply a tool with which the human being is allowed to say, no, thank you. We need to do something different. What are the other four? Love, fear, jealousy, and um, I always have a hard time remembering the grief? fifth one. But thank you. Good job. Is it grief? Grief. Oh. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> grief. So. Grief. Jealousy. Love. And and um, fear. And we all experience all of those. Yeah, but but if they're repressed and we're not allowed to express them, that is, push them out, all of those natural emotions turn into very unnatural. Uh, emotions, grief. So love rep- turns into hate. No, the okay. love that is repressed, that is not allowed to be expressed, turns into possessiveness. Oh, okay. Anger, which is not allowed to be expressed, turns into rage and hatred. Okay. But if you express it, then it simply is what it is: anger, and it's totally okay to be angry. I mean, Jesus was angry in the in the, mm-hmm. in the temple. He drove the money changers out of the temple. <clears throat> grief, which is not allowed to be expressed uh, and is suppressed, ultimately turns into chronic depression. Envy, which is not allowed to be expressed, turns into jealousy. And fear, which is not allowed to be expressed, turns into panic. Wow, so interesting. Wow, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are talking for the whole hour to Neil Donald Walsh, who is really a a prolific writer, a New York Times best-selling author for 15 years, has eight books. This is his newest book, God's Message to the World, You've Got Me All Wrong. His books have always centered on conversations with God and have changed the world for many people for many years. If you have questions, you can call live at 866-472-5788, or you can listen and certainly uh, contact me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com. You can also get a copy of the book. Neil, where would they get the book? Well, you, you can buy uh, God's Message to the World, You've Got Me All Wrong, just about anywhere the books are sold, any online bookseller, Amazon or Barnes & Noble, any other online bookseller, as well as brick-and-mortar bookstores as well. Okay, and when we come back, I'm going to ask Neil a very simple question. Why this title, You've Got Me All Wrong, from God's Message to the World? You're listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back.
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century. Family Matters with Dr. Virginia Collin will focus on building and maintaining healthy family relationships. We will discuss marriage, divorce, family mediation, parenting, lifestyles, and mental health. All kinds of family matters. Our show will feature guest experts and your participation, too. You can listen to Family Matters live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Hi, everyone. We are back. And I'm very honored to have really an amazing and I would call him an icon in this field. His name is Neil Donald Walsh. Many of you know of him. He's had eight books on the New York Times bestsellers list for the last 15 years. His books center around conversations with God, and these books have changed the world for many people for many years. Neil's newest book is God's Message to the World, You've Got Me All Wrong. Welcome back, Neil. All right. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. Why this title, and, and what does it mean? Well, the title means exactly what it says. It means that we have uh, gathered a number of beliefs, very powerful statements about God, and uh, that they're simply misunderstandings, that they're inaccurate, or to use a direct word, that they're wrong. They're simply wrong. It's not what's true about God. The why behind the title is that uh, it's explained in the book that these inaccuracies, these misunderstandings about God, affect our daily lives in profound ways. Most of the laws, for instance, and and you surely know, most people know that most of the laws of civilized society in most of the countries of the world were based primarily, they had their origins in canon law. The earliest law of the land in most of the countries of the world emerged from so-called canon law, that is the law of the church, the early Christian church to be specific. Mm. Now those laws have been adjusted and changed to some degree, of course, but they had their origin in canon law. That is, they had their origin in what we thought that God wanted. That's true not just of the Christian uh, canon law, but most of the ideas that we put into our legal system emerge and derive from what we imagine that God wants. Mm. A a striking example of that, of course, and a contemporary example, is what we do in the United States and other countries as well when we legislate against gay marriage. 
And the largest argument that's used against it, because there's no logical, physical reason why we should care one way or the other, but, of course, we've convinced ourselves that it's against God's law. And based on what we imagine God's law to be, we have decided that we should legislate in human law as well against same-gender couplings and same-gender marriage. There's no other, no other logical reason for it. There are many other... But, of course, I'm not surprised. When I was a child, I was told it was evil even to be left-handed. When I went to Catholic parochial school at a young age, the, the sisters, the nuns in the, in the classroom would literally tie your hand behind your back with a towel... I mean, it wasn't brutal, but it was a gentle towel. Uh-huh. But they would, and they'd, they'd make you write with your right hand because wow. they felt that if you were left-handed, left-handedness was a sign of the devil. When I was a young person as well, interracial marriage was considered to be, are you ready now, all together, against the law of God. Yep. Jews yep. could not marry Goyim, but blacks could not marry whites. Yep. Catholics could not marry, you know, you know, Protestant. I mean, it was unbelievable. And it was all based on our idea that this is what God wants. So, you know, uh, if we, if, if we uh, imagine uh, things that are totally inaccurate about God, we're setting up a whole system on the planet of inaccuracies. And it wouldn't be so bad if it was just about inaccuracy, but in fact it's damaging. So, All right, well, let, let I, me, I have to ask you this. Go ahead, go ahead, then I have to ask well, you Well, I was this. simply going to just, just give a, a, few, a few quick examples of what we mean by understandings that are wrong about God. For instance, God is to be feared. Right, I'm reading God, these. Yep. Or that God demands obedience. Or mm-hmm. that God's vengeful and God's love can turn to wrath. Or that God requires us to worship God in a certain and particular way. Or here are some popular ones, God has a plan for us, mm-hmm. or that God is on our side. I've had people say to me when things didn't work out, well, I guess it just wasn't God's plan. Really? All right, all right. So, so, Neil, you know, all I'm thinking of as you say this is I have a family member who's extremely orthodox in, in a religion, very, very. And so if I ever said this statement to them, which is God requires us to believe in God and to worship God in a specific way, they would say, absolutely, absolutely. And, and if I said God has a plan for us and God is on our side, they would say, absolutely. So, so comment on that. And I'm talking about any of the religions that have a lot of dogma. I mean, these folks really believe in that, and it seems to run their life, really run their life. Well, of course it does, and that's why their lives are messes. And, mm. and, and that's why the world is a mess. Uh, the world in general. I mean, you have to understand what's going on right now in Syria and in and, and in uh, Iraq is going on because a number of people, and not a small number, but a large number of people, are saying, "This is God's plan. God right. is on our side. Right. God requires us to believe in God right. and to worship God in a specific way." And by yeah. the way, if you don't worship God in this particular way, we're going to behead you. Yeah. Or you're so, not good enough, or you're not good enough, or you're not one of us. It, it, well, precisely. So these are these these ideas about. But see, what I would answer to that relative of yours, who's extremely orthodox, without making them wrong for being orthodox. I mean, you know what I would say to them first of all: if that works for you, God bless you. If it right. brings you a happier, richer, more fulfilling life, God bless you. I have no need to change your mind about it. But if you want to enter into an intellectual conversation about it, then I would pose an intellectual question. You say God requires us to believe in God and to worship God in a specific way. My right. question would be, why? 
Why do you think that God requires that of us? What because is the logic behind God's the demand answer, as you understand it? The answer it? would be that's in the Bible, that's in, you know, that, that's what we've been oh, taught. I, I mean, uh, let me see if I understand. That's <laughs> in the same book that says if your son is a prolificate and, and, and rebels against you, you should take him to the town gates and stone him to death? Right. Th- that particular mm. Bible? Mm. That particular Torah, that, that particular Old Testament. Uh, you, you, oh, oh, I mean, I mean, I'm sorry. You mean the Bible that says that if a man marries a woman and finds out that she is not a virgin upon their marriage, that he should take her likewise to the uh, to the town gates, and she also will be stoned to death. Is is that the Bible we're supposed? I see. I misunderstood. Uh, uh. Hmm. <laughs> that, that, that I think I'm going to try oh, okay. that. I'm going to have to try that, Neil. <laughs> See how well, that just goes. Have them read the book of, just have them read the book of Deuteronomy. And, and, when, and when they finish reading the book of Deuteronomy, ask them which of those statements do you think we should pay attention to, and which do you imagine are, in fact, misunderstandings, enormous misunderstandings about, about God. You know, how, you know. What, about, what about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Yeah, That's what in the about Bible it? Too. Well, that's in the Bible too. They tell you. I, I understand, right. and it's completely it's completely yep. false and a misunderstanding. Texas, Very interesting. It, it, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth allows us to create laws like capital punishment, right. in which we kill people to to show people that it's wrong to kill people and fail to see the contradiction. That's how primitive we are as a species. We actually put people to death on purpose to announce that it's not okay to put people to death on purpose. Mm-hmm. Or as Einstein put it, we use the same energy that created the problem to try to solve the problem. But Einstein quite correctly noticed that you cannot end violence with violence. You do not put an end to hatred with hatred. And you cannot bring an end to fear with more fear. You cannot bring an end to any problem by using the exact same energy that created the problem. But down in Texas, they execute over 550 people a year, every year, in an attempt to show the world how serious they are about telling people that it's wrong to kill people. And, and what's irony, ironic about it is that we fail to see the contradiction we think this is right because, after all, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The Bible, by the way, speaking of the Bible, declares, to, but next time you want to get your Bible out, read your Bible with a calculator uh, at your side and punch in the numbers as you're reading the narrative in the Bible. You will discover that over two million people have been killed at the hand or the command of God. Mm. This is the God that we want to believe in. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God who says that if you find your wife is not a virgin, you should take her to the town gates and have her stoned to death. I see. Hmm. Mm. So, so Neil, how did you how did you come up with this kind of opposite philosophy? Where does this come from? This is not God. in the Bible. Where did this? How did this evolve? It came from God. It came in my. <laughs> It came in my conversations with God. And and I would ask uh, a series of questions around that. By the way, in case anyone thinks, how dare he say that? Blasphemy. How dare he say it came came from God? Let me make this point. No one seriously questions that God talks directly to human beings. 
That is, no, no one would question that God spoke directly and communicated quite directly to Moses on the mountaintop. Right. No one questions, no one seriously questions that God talked directly and spoke directly, at, at, least, as, at least as much as that, to Jesus. And, to, and by the way, to other people throughout human history. In fact, the, the people upon whose teachings all the great religions have been based, whether it's Jesus or Moses or Baha'u'llah or Joseph Smith or name it, every single religion on the face of the earth, every major religion was based on the teachings of a person who the adherence to that religion declare was communicated with directly by God. So there's no question in the minds of people that God speaks directly to human beings. The only question is, when did she stop? Yes. So the idea is that, oh, I see, no, 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 actually God does talk, or at least did in the olden days, talk directly to human (laughs) beings, but but then God came down with a case of celestial laryngitis and has refused from that day to this to speak or to reveal itself directly to human beings. So God doesn't reveal itself anymore to human beings. So the story goes, because if we assume the opposite is true, that God has never stopped revealing God's self to humanity, then we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Because now it gets down to, you know, who do we believe? Yeah, Yeah, very interesting. I have a comment about that, and we're going to save it right till after the break, because, and here I'll, I'll pose the question, and we'll take it after the break, but the question's going to be, my, the person that I'm thinking of who's very orthodox would respond to that of who do you think you are that you are God when God is the person who's talking to you? Who do you think you are that you can make your own decision without the help of God? So I, I really want to address that afterwards because I know there are millions of people who believe that. You're listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, and we are on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. My guest is the renowned Neil Donald Walsh, and he is the author of eight books on the New York Times bestsellers list for the past 15 years. His books are all centered around his first book, Conversations with God, and these books have changed the world for many people for so, so many years. His newest book that we're talking about today is God's Message to the World, You've Got Me All Wrong. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, and I'm so thrilled that I have on the phone with me, Neil Donald Walsh. He's eight books on the New York Times bestsellers list for the past 15 years. And his books all center around Conversations with God, which is his most well-known book. These books have changed the world for so many thousands of people. Today we're talking about Neil's brand new book, which is called God's Message to the World. You've got me all wrong. And it's, it's really, I think it's hot because it's controversial. And I want to go back to, to this one. This is one of the things that you say is a false statement, Neil. You say God requires us to believe in God and to worship in a specific way. Well, you know, my religious people that I know, and I'm sure people you know who are very religious, would disagree with you. And what they would say to me is the following. How can you think that you know everything? Aren't you somewhat egocentric when you don't know the way God knows? God is the one that's going to lead you. What would you say How do that? we know what God wants? How do we have any idea what uh, what what God wants? I would I would answer that question. I would say to that person, "How do I know? How how, how do we know what what God's thinking is?" And they would say, "Well, it's in the Scripture." Exactly. And say, exactly. And then I would say, "Then I would say, how did the writers of the Scripture know? How did yeah. they know? Yeah. How how are A they different from rabbis. you?" Excuse me. A lot of them were rabbis. They weren't. They were how, how, rabbis. What makes a rabbi? What makes a rabbi, or for that matter, the pope, different from us? Mm, but, right. but, but, who, who told us that people like rabbis, priests, and popes somehow have a higher level of access to the truth about God than mm. all of us individually do? Who mm. made up that rule? Yeah, yeah. And and the other thing that I have seen with this in this situation is that. If they want to do something, they have to go to the rabbi, or I'm sure a priest, but in this case it's a rabbi, and ask and say, listen, I know we're supposed to do it this way, but this is how I want to do it. Is it okay? About your own personal life, about the way you conduct your own personal affairs, they get permission. The point of conversations with God is to appoint yourself as your own highest authority in these matters. And the point of conversations with God as well is that we, the, the, the difficulty we have, we have encountered in the human experience rests in the largest inaccuracy of all about God, which is that God is separate from us. We have engaged in this planet, uh, on this planet I should say, in a separation theology. Separation theology is a theology that insists that we are over here and God's over there. Its doctrine tells us that God separated us from God as punishment for our sins, and that our job now is to somehow get back to God by following the rules, doing things the way God commands, or following Mm -hmm. God's laws, and Mm -hmm. submitting to God's will. In short, we must do what God desires. 
Exactly. This separation theology has produced a separation cosmology that is a way of looking at all of life on this planet that includes separation as its basic principle. Yeah. That, in turn, has produced a separation sociology, a way of socializing with each other that encourages us to act as separate beings serving yeah. our own separate interests, yeah. which, in turn, finally, which in turn finally has produced a separation pathology, pathological mm-hmm. behaviors of self-destruction, mm-hmm. producing suffering, conflict, violence, and death by our own hands. Mm-hmm. So that we mm-hmm. see that a, the separation theology produces a separation cosmology, which produces a separation sociology, which produces a separation pathology. And that's where we are today on the planet. Yeah. Yes, well, I when in that. fact there is no separation between us and God. We are, we are to God as a wave is to the ocean. Each wave of the ocean is an expression of the ocean itself, but it's in no way separate from the ocean, no way other than the ocean, simply different from the ocean in terms of size and proportion. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, I think your point is so important because if you look at the way certain groups think, I mean, they're they're all together, and they and they're inclusive, right? So they don't really mesh with other groups because it's their no, own it's group. Separa- that it's enforcing. the whole separation psychology. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. It's that separation yeah. psychology that says, "I'm over here, and you're over there." Isn't it sad that you have it wrong, and isn't it good that I have it right? Absolutely. Oh, I see that in this group I'm talking about. I see it all the time. Well, it's it's not and, just and, that and group. The other group. thing it's I every, see is group. righteous indignation. Where it's angry. Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservatives. I mean, you. you know, True. True. You know, Christians and non Christians. I mean, it's, it's all over the world. This whole business of separation, uh, this whole business of we have it and you don't, it is not too bad for you. But if you follow what we're telling you, all will be okay with you. Exactly. That, exactly. That, that's, that's the sadness of. Uh, uh, our pathology, and it has produced, in fact, pathological behaviors of self-destruction. We would give rather us an die. Of that. We Neil, would give rather us an kill example. each other than give up our dysfunctional beliefs. Yeah, very interesting. You know, wasn't it George Carlin who did that? I uh, did a routine that talked about that, and he talked yeah. about talk about God, and yet in uh, who's uh, we're killing each other with the highest the people who are the the largest religious people with the strongest beliefs are the ones that are killing each other. And he said, yeah, and we talk about religion. Do you remember that? But I remember him talking about that. Of, of course. And Archbishop, now retired, retired Archbishop William Swing of San Francisco, the retired Episcopal Archbishop of that diocese, put it rather bluntly, I thought. He said, in God's name, can we stop the killing in God's name? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Isn't that sad? It's kind of but funny, it's but it's also reversible. It, it's sad, but it's, we, we need to get beyond tisk tisk. We need to get beyond. Mm-hmm. Isn't that sad? We yeah. need to go to. If there were a solution, what would it be? And there is a solution. There is a way to turn this ship around. And what we have to do is alter humanity's cultural story. Stop teaching so, the story so, of separation. So how do we, you know, for someone, here's my question. For someone who's read your books for the years and has come to you and said, you know, Neil, I've read these books and I've really changed the way I've thought. Can you give us an example of that? You know, where were they and how did they change and what difference did it make in their lives? 
Well, well, where they were is thinking that life was largely a physical, material experience. That it was about what our parents told us it was about. Get the guy, get the girl, get the car, get the job, get the spouse, get the house, get the kids, get the kids, get the better car, get the better job, get the better spouse, get the better spouse, get the better spouse, get more kids, get the gray hair finally, get the retirement watch, get the cruise tickets, get the illness, and get the hell out. Right. that, that tends to be the way most people uh, live their lives because we've been taught to live our lives that way as if they were largely a physical experience or perhaps a spiritual experience, but the point of which is not made clear to anybody. So we imagine that we are some, somehow lost souls if, if we believe in a spiritual experience at all. We believe that we are somehow lost here. We don't know how we got here, but here we are. And our, our, our spiritual job is to somehow get back so that at the moment of what we call our death, we can at least not have used this life in vain and we can find ourselves back in the company of the Lord, if you please. And that becomes the urgent need of most people, especially when they get past the age of 65 or 70. They start thinking about, oh, my God. What am I gonna? How am I gonna? What am I gonna do now? I don't have that many more years left. And then what happens? So we have this whole construction about how we can return to the house of the Lord, whence we cometh, and uh, and be accepted there once again, and not be sent to the everlasting fires of hell. Now, in some religions, there's not a belief in that. Uh, no, you know, many religions don't believe in a place called hell, and many religions religions do. But most religions believe in a sense of separation. That is, either you are one with that which is, which we call God, Allah, Brahman, Jehovah, Yahweh, or mm-hmm. by whatever other name it pleases us to refer to that ineffable essence, which is the divine, or we are not. Either we are one with that or we are separate from it. And if we're separate from it, it might as well be hell because we are forever alone and lonely in the everlasting life, if in fact there even is an everlasting life. Mm-hmm. Some people think there is no life after this, that, that it all, everything we want to accomplish for ourselves, in ourselves, by ourselves, and through ourselves had better be accomplished while you're alive because after you die, there's nothing that goes on afterward. We have to make a fundamental decision. Most human beings have not been confronting themselves with a fundamental decision. Here's the choice. It's really very simple. Number one, who am I? Am I just simply a biological creature? When all is said and done, Am I nothing more than a chemical creature, no different yeah. from a dolphin or a whale or a bird, except as to the complexity to which I have evolved as a human being? But other than that, I'm just simply a biological mammal walking the face of the earth. I was born, I live, I breathe, I die, and that's the end of it. Lights out, it's all over. Mm-hmm. Or is it possible, just possible, that I am more than that, that I am a spiritual entity that has a body is it possible is it possible that i'm not my body that my body is not who i am it's something that i have is it something that i possess is it, is it possible that i am not my mind but that my mind likewise is simply a tool that that which i really am simply has and uses if that's the case if i think that i really am a spiritual entity having a body and a mind then i needs must to ask the next logical question why why mm. Why am I physical? Why have I come to the earth? And what happens after my physical experience concludes? Is there something after death? All right. To which and this let's, is let's all, take a pause on that. We'll leading. take a break and then we'll ask you that question. What happens after our physical body dies? Is there something after death? 
You're listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, and my guest is Neil Donald Walsh. He's the New York Times bestselling author of Conversations with God. We're talking about his new book, God's Message to the World, You've Got Me All Wrong. Stay tuned, folks. This is fascinating. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things, and together you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite, live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on Earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs. And now, we have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. This problem continues to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, and through our children. Get the answers from The Mickey Ellison Show, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Welcome back, everyone. This is Patricia Raskin, Positive Living. My guest is Neil Donald Walsh. He is New York Times bestselling author of Conversations with God and eight other books, including his brand new one, God's Message to the World, You've Got Me All Wrong. And, you know, Neil, I said this off air, but, you know, my calling is to make the world a better place through, through radio. I mean, this is what I've done for many, many years and to bring out messages like this. And I think it's really important. I think we have a few minutes left, so... I know we were going to go back, you know, to the question about what happens, what happens after you die? Is there life? And that's a whole other controversial question. But what's your what's your take on this? Well, I, I produced a book on that question called Home with God in a Life That Never Ends. It's a full length book. And if anyone really is curious about my point of view about that, you might find that book fascinating. The book is called Home with God in a life that never ends. Briefly, mm-hmm. my understanding is that, of course, life never does end, that we are spiritual beings, that we our life is eternal, that we go on forever and ever and even forevermore, that we have, in fact, a multiple and endless number of incarnations as well. I'm not the first person on the face of the earth to suggest that, that we come back to physicality over and over endlessly as often as we wish, and that the whole purpose of the entire multiple expression journey is evolution, the evolution of the human soul, that the purpose of life itself, both physical and non-physical, is evolution. That is, we evolve to higher and higher states of expression 
and being in the largest process, which is God itself, expressing itself, experiencing itself, knowing itself, and expanding itself, if you will. So my understanding is that life goes on forever, and that we, when we leave this particular physicalization, we move through three stages of dying, where we first come to realize, oh, I'm not my body. Oh my gosh, how about that? I'm not my body. Then we realize, oh my goodness, I'm not even my mind, because I am thinking about my thoughts. So who is the me who's thinking about my thoughts? And then we get to the third level of realization. I'm not even an individual soul, but in fact, I am a, as a wave is to the ocean. And all that's happened is that the wave has receded from the beach and gone back into the ocean. That's all that's happening here. And I'm experiencing that I am one with all that is. And then there will come a time again when the wave will proceed from the ocean back onto the beach into physicality of life, if I could use the metaphor. And that process continues endlessly and endlessly. And it's a wonderful metaphor because it happens to make it very easy for us to understand what's actually going on. So, yeah, I think that we are experiencing the so-called life after death. And we've had ample anecdotal evidence, by the way, of that from people who have so-called come back from the dead, if you please. They've had near-death experiences and explained in very clear terms exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. And there have been some books on this as well, recent books. Oh, my gosh. Have there ever. Yeah. Yeah. Neil, I want to bring up something that, because I, I, I was very struck by this. I, as I was said at the beginning of the interview, I've been listening to the Evolving Wisdom series with Ariel Ford and Claire Zammett, and you were one of the interviews that they did. And I remember something you said in the interview that stuck with me that I thought was amazing. I don't remember all of it, so you can fill me in, but it was about your relationship with them, and it was about relationships in general. And you talked about that if, if you know, and I'm going to use the word God forbid, but if anything ever happened, to your to your soulmate, to M, to your wife, and you would. It was something about how you would love her just as much. It was about how whatever would happen to her or to the person you love would not determine your love or your ability. It, it, talk about that. I thought that was incredible. What love says to the beloved is, "My will for you is your will for you." I choose for you what you choose for you. And in making that choice, I demonstrate my love. When I choose for you what I choose for you, then I'm loving me through you. Mm -hmm. But when I choose for you what you choose for you, then I truly am loving you selflessly. So that if my wife, for instance, were to come home and say, you know, I found another person I'm really in love with this person. You know, I love you too, but this is just what happened, and we're all grown-ups here, and I just want to come clean and be honest with you about this. And it may even be that I might need to leave this relationship because I just really love this person that I happen to find. And I would say, you know what, darling? I choose for you what you choose for you. I would never, ever, ever, the last thing I would do if I say I love you is stand in the way of your happiness. You know, and, okay, and but, wait, but wait a minute, Neil. Wait a minute. What about the jealousy you might feel? What about the pain of, of that person leaving you? What, what about all of that? I would deal with that in my own individual way. I'm mm-hmm. not saying there would be no pain involved. I'm not saying that I wouldn't experience a level of jealousy. But I would deal with that in my own individual way. <coughs> I, wouldn't make, <coughs> excuse me, I wouldn't make my personal process part of her dilemma and part of her burden. I would simply deal with that in my own personal way. If I had to go see a counselor or a rabbi or a priest or somebody who could help me with it, I would do that. But I wouldn't make my wife pay the penalty because I'm having 
excuse me, insecurity issues or deep problems, emotional turmoil over it, mm. I would say, you know, by the way, I want for you what you want for you is what God says to us. Mm. See, God loves us unconditionally. Anything other than, than unconditional love is, uh, is uh, counter, counterfeit. You see, if we're saying, I love you if, I love you if you behave this way. I love all, right, you if but, you... but, all right, Neil, what if you say, oh, well, God loves me because I want what I want for myself. And I want to go out and get drunk tonight. And I want to go out and, and, and hurt myself or hurt someone else. What does God say then? Go ahead and do that. You will find sooner or later, see, God gives us all free will. That's, that's both the danger and the blessing of life. It's, it's a two-sided, two-edged sword. It cuts both ways. But God, would not, God does not stop us from doing that. God says, if that's the path you choose to take in your evolutionary process. See, God sees us as no different from, I hate to reduce it to this, but when you look at it from God's point of view, God sees us as no different than a, than a six-year-old or a nine-year-old who is messed up on their multiplication tables or didn't do their homework and refused to even study and, 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 and runs out and plays in the playground instead. See, we, we you know, it's... We're a very young species, uh, Patricia. You have to understand that. If you put the age of the Earth on the scale of one year, one calendar year, we, uh, the entire human history is in the last 30 seconds of the year. It's, you know, we're, we're a very, very, very young species, and mm-hmm. God fully and completely understands that. So if we make a choice to go out and get drunk tonight or hurt ourselves or, God forbid, even hurt someone else, God says, you know, I'm not going to stop you. You're, you're going to do what you do, and that's what's going to be what it is. And then you're going to experience yourself in that way, and you'll do that until you don't want to do that anymore, until you want to experience yourself both individually and as a species, collectively, in another way. That process is called evolution. That's the decision we are making right now on this earth. We are deciding right now on the planet, is this the way we choose to be human, or might there be another way to be human? Mm. Wow, fantastic. Oh, fantastic. I, I, we have to close right now, but it, thank you so much for being on this program. Oh, I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you for asking me. It uh, really has. I, I have a minute, so do you, do, you wanna, do you have any closing thoughts, like a 30-second closing thought for our listeners? Sure, sure. I'm asked many times, what's the most important message I ever got in conversations with God? The answer that I give is the same everywhere. The most important message, your life is not about you. It's about everyone whose life you touch and the way in which you touch it. Live that way, and you'll experience your life as an everlasting and continuing reward. Wow. How beautiful, Neil. How beautiful. It was a great honor to interview you today. I want to tell you that. Thank you. I've enjoyed being here. Thank you so much for saying those kind things to me. Thank you. All right, stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, this amazing interview with Neil Donald Walsh, who is the author of Conversations with God, best-selling New York Times author, and the author of the brand new book, God's Message to the World, You've Got Me All Wrong. You can find it on Amazon, any bookstore. All right, folks, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next week, I'm Patricia Raskin, patriciaraskin.com. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.